Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that just wants to know where its cat is. Where is its cat? Let us know where Toffee is. Where's Toffee? What's going on? Number one question out of the show. Answer it, please, show. I'm Alex. When you're in the darkness, sometimes the score doesn't matter, even if it's like crazy high, like 52 to nothing. That doesn't matter because you're in the darkness just looking for that little window to get out. Right. I'm Justin. Uh, Yeah, the cat's dead. Uh, Glenn is clearly a psychopath, so that's what happened to the cat. I'm Pete. Man, that is a dark turn right for the top of the podcast. We're going to be talking about Chapter 85, Destroyer of Riverdale. Toffee questions aside, I'm going to have so many questions for both of you guys after this episode, because I'll tell you what, I watch TV. I watch shows like Riverdale to escape from sports. And mm. yet there it is right in my face. Bunch of escape sports from guys. sports? That's I don't, know, watching I don't this know what's show? going on. This is very Alex, con- I was very confused this episode. There is... Riverdale is the most high-energy contact sport there is. If you're trying to escape from sports, you need to watch something else. You need to turn on C-SPAN, dog, because this is intense. This is the level of sports. This is faster than football. I thought I was turning on ESPN2 when I got this, and I only watch ESPN2 for the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. So come on. You should check out ESPN8, the Ocho. (laughs) Good one. All right, let's do a little bit of recap because there's lots of stuff you need to know going into this episode, starting off with Jughead. He may or may not have been kidnapped by aliens. Also, he's working as an English teacher at the high school, and he's working at Pops. Moving on from Jughead. No, well, he also is wow. writing a story as well. Could you imagine if that was all you needed to know? No explanation. Yes, he's writing yeah. a story. He's trying to sell a book. He's back at Riverdale. He and Betty have broken up seven years earlier, so there's still some stuff that needs to be dealt with there. We'll see how much it was dealt with this episode. And Jughead <laughs> has also struck up a friendship with Tabitha Tate, the granddaughter of Pop Tate, who is now running Pops and all the associated businesses. Meanwhile, Betty has been dealing with the disappearance of her sister, Polly, who was last seen on the Lonely Highway, a very spooky road outside of Riverdale, or at least her blood was seen all over a phone booth. Last they heard from her, she had called Alice. She had called Betty. They had gone to rescue her, but she was not there anymore. And uh, meanwhile, a bunch of bodies of young girls have turned up in Swedlow Swamp, potentially being killed by truckers along the Lonely Highway who are really into the girls who are turning tricks for them. Uh, and Betty, <laughs> we should mention, uh, shut down one of these truckers earlier, took him in for questioning about Polly because Polly was turning tricks for that guy. Uh, but uh, then she let him go because that's what the FBI does. Uh, we also learned a lot yep. about what else the FBI does in this episode, which we'll get to in a moment. Yeah, Alice, what a great primer for like just getting involved in law enforcement. 
So many legal things happen in this episode that I'm sure we'll get through. Alice, pretty much destroyed. That's uh, really all you need to know about her. She is not doing well this episode or in general. Moving on to Cheryl. Cheryl brought things to a crisis point last episode when she invited everybody over to a key party. Because of her action, she broke up Kevin and Fangs, who are getting married, and we're going to have a baby with Tony. She also drove away Tony, who doesn't really show up or get referenced too much this episode. Not but, at all, I would say. I mean, she's on maternity leave in real life, so it's okay. We can deal with it. We can move on. I would on. have appreciated a reference to where she was. Yeah, it was like very a little shout-out. Yeah. So much of what was happening here was Tony, like, specific, like mm-hmm. the River Vixens. Like, Kang's being like, yeah, we're gonna have a baby from, who was that person? <laughs> who was the pregnant one? Cheryl Metzers mentions her once when she's talking to Kang, so it's okay. We're covered there. We're good. They'll do that once an episode and be like, oh, Tony, she's right off screen. And then they'll kind of bend their head off screen and be like, oh, it's me, Tony. I'm having this baby. <laughs> That's Tony. what it sounds like when a lady has a baby. Real chill oh about it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So Cheryl, uh, also, we should mention, is very distant cousins with Betty. Uh, and back in the day, her brother, Jason, died. That crops up later in the episode. You probably know that if you've been watching Riverdale for a while. Archie, meanwhile, mm-hmm. is coaching the football team and running the RROTC, and he has struck things up again with Veronica after last episode, and as you can imagine, now that they're in the 20s, things are going to be very different, totally different than they were in high school, completely new, fresh relationship with new challenges, so we'll discuss and break down all of those challenges and things that were different about it as Mm. we go through the episode. Uh, What else do you need to know? Oh yeah, uh, Hiram is uh, has many complicated plans for Riverdale that we don't know much about yet, but we do know that Reggie has been working as his Flunky, been working directly for him. He has been coaching the Stonewall Prep football team, and Hiram has basically been running Stonewall Prep as well. And that's kind of all you need to know about that. Lastly, Betty has a, we should mention Betty is an FBI trainee. She is mm. dating, very casually it seems, a FBI agent named Glenn Scott, who is spelled with not two N's and not two T's, which is very bothersome for me. Personally, We've got the time. The yeah. best FBI agents have the shortest names. Mm-hmm. Glenn Scott. When I when I got investigated, it was by a guy named AB. Mm. How is that investigation going? Have you successfully? Not well for me. Yeah. <laughs> Losing. Yeah. He keeps asking me, "What are you doing on these Riverdale podcasts? We're bringing you in, buddy." Mm. Anyway, that's pretty much all you need to know. I'm sure there's some more things we'll touch on as we go through the episode, but let's kick it off with Jughead listening for radio signals from aliens right at the top of the episode. Well, I, I'd just like to do a little disclaimer here. Uh, first off, I do love the uh, Jughead old-timey radio kind of uh, listening. That was fun. But this show handles things poorly. <laughs> like, uh, wow. it oh, really wow. handles things poorly. I mean, we oh, get thanks. into a lot of crazy stuff with uh, parents uh, uh, may or may not be uh, abusing their kids, where a teacher can be in that, like, horrible stuff. Kevin handling his, like, uh, who he is and what it's about. Like, just, it's, there's a lot of things that this show covers, which is great, but not well. So well, this show can uh, just, be just infuriating. To be clear, can, I, can I jump in? And this is not to cut you off, but I think maybe sure. just to clarify for my sake, I think you're talking about issue-based stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Not necessarily like, certainly it covers Lady Gaga songs very well when Cheryl performs them, <laughs> but perhaps <laughs> not, not necessarily aspects of gay violence. 
Exactly. Okay. Or or just like a lot of things that teens or kids deal with that gets uh, very heavy very fast. And this show kind of like sometimes with a, a, a nice hand, sometimes not. So it can be very frustrating, this show, when it, it comes to different things of bullying or different uh, issues that uh, people deal with. So, Well, I, I, have, a, I have a response to that as well. Um, I do think they cover things quickly. Like, and so they don't give a lot of time over to like, they give equal weight to things of large importance with huge emotional ramifications to also like, Hey, let's have this scene at the gym. So the, these two can talk for a brief second and then they're going to kiss and then bye-bye. Um, like, and it's weird that those things have equal weight in the episode, but I got to give them credit for going there a little bit. I mean, we talked about this um, last season with um, Reggie and his father and how that abuse storyline felt like it got really short shrift and was more about just like advancing Reggie a little bit and having some weird fight stuff. Um, but the stuff Kevin with Kevin in this episode feels like it's been building throughout the season. I thought they did while it was too quick. Like I would have liked to see a little bit more of what it means and everyone dealing with it. The scene between Kevin and, and Sheriff Keller, I, that really got me the way that the earnestness of Sheriff Keller there. I was like, Oh, it really, it made me cry. And that was super fast. It's just, they go hard and the characters go hard. Right. But also like, uh, these, you know, people went from being teens to teachers very fast. And there's also scenes where, uh, Veronica's like, all right, 10 grand for somebody, you know, like you can't do stuff like this with kids. Like there is just this kind of like the way they're pretending to be teachers and what stuff. Can be- I had teachers paying me 10, 20, $30,000 anytime I got, got a couple of good grades. <laughs> I, I get your point, Pete, but to what Justin's saying, I think, I think the thing that happens is a lot of the stuff across the board on Riverdale is whiplash. It's been very funny to me lately reading some of the fan conversations, particularly when it comes to the relationship stuff, which I know we're not talking about, where they're like, oh, man, they're going really quickly into this. Why don't they let it simmer for a while? And my reaction is, have you been watching Riverdale for the past four plus seasons where five couples break up and then get back together before even the opening credits happen, before the Riverdale logo hits, you know? So to your point that you're saying, Justin, I think, and like we've talked about on the podcast a lot before, I think you're allowed to criticize something like the scene in the steam room that is suddenly lashed out violence that may or may not be dealt with properly in the episode and is really... Jarring. Jarring, yeah. Yeah. But then the conversation that follows it up with Tom and Kevin is really good. And I think both of those things can be true simultaneously. Yeah, I think that's a great way of saying it. Because I agree with you. That scene in the steam room, I was like, whoa, what? This is uh, not – it was so crazy that it felt like wildly unrealistic and felt like it was just a patchwork scene to get them to the the actual emotional core of the next scene. Um, But that definitely felt like the – the biggest whiplash we've had in a while in the, in the season. Yeah. I, for that, I mean, just to talk one more second about that scene. And I think part of the reason for it is of course that sort of thing happens. And maybe even somebody in the writer's room was pulling on a specific experience, but there's so much information thrown in there of Kevin's in the steed room. We meet this new guy. He's from LA. He throws out some joke about, Oh, what are Riverdale guys like Kevin touches his knee. And then, just beats the shit out of him. That's too many things in a short period to possibly comprehend the emotional scope of it. So it doesn't, 
it hits as shocking and off-putting, like you were saying, rather than how it should hit as this simmering thing that's been building for a while that leads to, again, a great monologue from Casey Cott. So that's a lot of stuff at the top of the episode. I agree with you, Pete. There were a lot of things in this episode that I was like, uh, I, don't, I yeah, don't know yeah. about this. I'm not this sure. This was a white knuckler. We had to really hold yeah, tight to this episode. Yeah, that's it. Riverdale, it, uh, you know, you, you, you've been in something for so long. It, it just, it can... <laughs> It, it continues to shock me and then make me really worried about, uh, you know, what's going on. And so, yeah, I just wanted to say something up at the top that, like, this is a crazy show. Yeah. it's a, uh, This episode was a buck and bronco. You got to, you had to mm-hmm. really, like, the eight seconds, you had to get to eight seconds if you, if you really buckled down, stayed loose. Because there tight. were a lot of requisite Riverdale fun parts in here, ridiculous things happening, some fun stuff with the relationships uh, in both directions. You know, I was feeling, uh, while we're broadly talking about the episode, I I feel like I'm having every emotion simultaneously with both Varchi and Bughead. Varchi in particular, because it's fun to see them together. KJ Appa and Camila Mendez work really well together. It's a nice relationship. At the exact same time, it's frustrating after the big conversation that Archie and Betty had last episode, where Betty said, I'm going to be facing this dark thing. I need you as a friend. And Archie said, yeah, whatever you want, Betty. They don't talk at all this episode. (laughs) And Betty goes Uh, dark. And Archie's just like on the football field and truly like hooking up with Veronica and like as if nothing's changed. Right. And Uh, that to me is strange. Uh, yeah, and while we're talking about stuff like uh, I, I have never felt uh, more like Alice in this episode, where you see her, she's just on the couch, you know, looking like what else can come at me? You're like pouring wine, being like, oh. and I was like, oh yeah, I see you, Alice. I know, <laughs> I definitely feel like that, uh, big, especially big now. Big and- quarantine vibes. Is that what's yeah, going on? Yeah, okay. it's a, it's a, it's a lot. So. It's it's all over the place, and, and you uh, play the drink along with Alice drinking game. Yeah, right? and it's it's been rough lately. It's yeah. been rough. <laughs> yeah. And then you had to get real clean and like uh, you know be kind of like have all these meals prepared and get ready. And I well, was between, like, oh man, between sessions where you're just going hard on like Alice, you just eat an entire platter of cold cuts, right? To get to yeah. get right yeah. with yourself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, cold cuts are important, and she talks about it. Yeah. Uh, you I have drink that smartwatch that tells you your cold cut level. <laughs> it's peaking once it's again. Never, it's never low. It's uh, it's a little graphic of a salami, and right now it's at about ninety five percent. You're mostly salami at this point. I was doing a drinking game where I drank every time Jughead said Waldo, and oof, I'm <laughs> oh, wasted. What did he say towards the end of the you. episode? What's the buzz, Waldo? He said, "What's the buzz, Waldo?" Which I <laughs> slipping into parody of whatever this is is. But I, I, that's what I mean. We're going all over the place, but. That's what I like about Jughead in this season and like right now, like yeah. he's a wild card. He's loose. And he can <laughs> say stuff like that and like just be screwing around. I oh, I really like Jughead this season as well. I mean, beyond everything else where it does feel like Veronica and Archie, at least in this episode, and maybe the last episode as well, are kind of slipping back to their old selves. Jughead is this big weirdo on the side and it's super fun. It's a weirdo. He's a yeah. weirdo. He's weird. It's a weirdo. He he's wears weird. he no longer wears a hat. Yeah. Right. You know, there you go. Uh, so to run through the stuff that we mentioned already, Jughead's listening on the radio for alien signals. We see Betty. Uh, Alice is with pills, despondent on the couch, super sad, drinking wine. Uh, and then we go into the football plot line for the episode. Uh, Archie is coaching the team. We get a little Easter egg here. It's against the Baxter High Ravens, who are from Greendale, from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Is this maybe a good time to bring up that... 
potentially, this is idle speculation, but potentially in episode 14, I I have a hunch we might see Sabrina in episode 14 of the season. And the reason is Machen Amick is directing the episode again, which is very cool. The title of it is Meet Sabrina. No, the title. Ah, I knew it. it. Uh, But uh, Machen Amick is directing the episode, which is very cool. She did a great job on episode 19 last season, and she holds up a script cover. The script cover, uh, the title of the episode is The Night Gallery. It's written by James DeWill, I think is the guy's name, who wrote Tales from the Dark Side back in season two, which was an anthology episode. The Night Gallery is almost definitely a reference to Night Gallery, the anthology series that Rod Serling did after The Twilight Zone. So at the very least, it seems clear we're going to get another Three Tales, Three Weird Tales anthology thing. But the picture on the cover, which, mind you, these are never one-to-one with the episode, but the picture on the cover is from Afterlife with Archie number 6, and it has Sabrina in it, along with a character named Richard Pickens, who you don't really need to worry about too much. But it seems to me that you could do a thing where, like, as Betty and Jughead get deeper into this mystery, they got to go over to Greendale, look at a gallery. Sabrina is there and she says, oh, yeah, I'll show you these weird paintings and talk you through it. And then we get these three weird tales. And that would be um, that a way be, of bringing her in. That would be insane because uh, Sabrina is kind of trapped in the gallery right now. That's where we last oh, left her. So. They, that actually is a legitimately good point because they could just potentially reuse the set. Right, Sabrina. That would be wild. And also, don't brush past Dick Pickens. (laughs) (laughs) And end of statement. Um, Brushing past that. Oh yes. Let me throw on top of your theory. Like, I think it makes a lot of sense in that um, Sabrina works at a funeral home. Like, if Mm -hmm. someone dies in Greendale, their body would be there, and they would go to uh, to investigate something over there, or. We see some uh, some paintings. Like I, I, th- I think that's a great theory. I love the idea because it'll be a little bit out of continuity. Those episodes always exist, sort of in this like liminal space. Like it's that's cool. Yeah, and it's the sort of thing where they could bring in Sabrina, and you could skirt the line of magic without her casting spells or anything like that. But we'll see what happens. It's just speculation. Anyway, this all ties back into them getting trounced by the Baxter High Ravens, like completely routed by them. Uh, I Forty nothing. Yeah, Take Cheryl it is pissed. It's one game. What was the score? Like, it was like 47 to 0 or something? Yeah, f- at one point it was 40 nothing. When we first come into the shot, it's 40 nothing. What are you, Pete, what are you saying? I'm just saying, like, you know, you're just dismissing the Bulldogs like, you know, they're nothing, all right? I'm just saying it's one game, all right? Let's not get worked up. Uh, Pete, I just don't know if they have it. No. Yeah, I don't know. I'm it's on never- Reggie and Hiram's side. They're a bunch of losers. Yeah. Oh, that was awful. The way Reggie was like, loser, loser. Oh, that was, that was so, so heartbreaking. That made me laugh so, so rough. That was one of Nothing. my favorite parts of the episode, honestly. You're an evil person. That was classic Reggie. Like, that's Reggie oh. right out of the comic books, just wandering out of the shot, calling everybody losers. Very funny. That was awful. Calling a child. Calling like <laughs> yeah, a, I know. a 16 year old. You're a loser. Like, yeah, I'm they're old. just getting started. Yeah. So funny. What the f- So we do go over to Cheryl's plot line here is she's pissed off, doesn't want anything to do with the Bulldogs either. Cassandra, very appropriately named uh, member of the Vixens, says they're wasting their time. They could have been practicing for their own cheerleading contest. Uh, And Archie tries to pump up the team. And that's where we get to the thing that we mentioned earlier. Veronica offers $10,000 to whichever member of the Bulldogs 
scores first. So this is my first legit sports question for you guys. Uh-huh. Yeah. You can't do that, right? You, you can't. <laughs> first off, legally? Bad, uh, betting's uh, illegal, especially when you're involving a minor like that. Well, that's not, a, that's not a bet. That's an incentive. And there are incentives on professional football players if they score a certain number of points, get a certain uh, far along into the postseason, like whatever, where you get a bonus for, for getting that. So there's, there's yeah, but that's there. if you're a professional player, not if you're a student. There are rules against students receiving money no, for stuff like that. You can bribe a child in most schools. <laughs> oh my God, what are you talking about? That's how you get results. If there's one thing we've learned this season from Veronica, it's that money makes shit happen. Often it's Monopoly money with her face on it, and often it's not what she wants to happen. But she's making things happen. Yo, that, that's a good question. Did she specify whether it was American money or River dollars? It's a great point. Also, she she bought Bring a fire engine. She had a toy fire engine blown up, honey, I shrunk the kid style, to give to Archie a couple episodes back. So she's got money. She Britta better get her money then. Yeah, I I would argue it's more honey. I blew up the kid style, but I think we should move on from there. Doug is very bummed, uh, but Archie goes up to him. And, wait, it was it Doug? Derek. 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 I don't know why I wrote down Doug. Uh, Derek is pretty bummed. Very all star. Archie, in earshot of every other player, says to him, "There is no better player on that field than you today," which is kind of rude, but it's 100%. nice for Derek. But true. Uh, and uh, Archie and Veronica talk. They're bummed about the town not coming out. They come up with some plans, and then they make out, and things are back to normal with Archie. We brushed by because this a little bit earlier. How do you feel about motivation? This? Uh, well, how coaches. do you feel about this? Just Archie being like right back in it this episode. First off, making out in a locker room, gross. Your kid, <laughs> it's like you're kissing all the sweat from everybody's bodies. Mm-hmm. That's not yep. what you want. You're having a sort of a steam kiss. Um, I don't, wouldn't want to do that. And I think it's weird, especially. Yeah, especially if players are like, hey, coach, like, do you mind? Like, you know, shouldn't this be about, you know, the team and what's going on and not we got to sit here and watch you make out with your girlfriend who is also a teacher here? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it depends. Are, are they kissing in the locker room or are there lockers in the kissing room? That's the real <laughs> Technically, all of Riverdale High is a kissing room, I think. It's a designated oh, kissing monument. Oh, man. I go to kissing I don't remember, high school. I don't remember that in, in high school. I don't remember the designated uh, yeah. kissing I'll tell you what. This is uh, you saying kissing high school out loud. Somebody at Netflix was like, I just had an idea for a series. <laughs> oh, no. I got transferred to kissing, <laughs> kissing tech. Um I think it's the Varchie relationship dropping in in this way is a little strange to me. Like, we spent all these episodes building up how hot the the Varchie romance was, how it was about being in love, big feelings. It it ends in a way that is a little bit just cut off in the middle of it. So those feelings are wide open. We don't know where they're going to go. Betty's dealing with other shit is sort of the main reason. And then we don't have any sort of discussion between Veronica and Archie. Like, hey, what happened with you and Betty? You guys were just like, and now today we're having sex randomly all the time. Um, I feel like there's a conversation to be had there. And what they mean for each other, are she's still in the middle of a divorce. You know, Chadwick's going to roll up and be ready. He's like, he's pumping Hiram's training him. He's pumping wicked uh, rich guy iron. He's uh, eating Doritos every day to get properly pumped to yeah. take out Archie. So, like, uh, th- that is moving so quickly when I don't know if it has to. Like, we could have some sweet dating moments here. Um, instead, they're just, like, right back in it. 
I think you need to take your own advice and just, you know, if we could rewind a little bit, Justin, be like, hey, this is Riverdale. It's fast. It's furious. It doesn't dwell on shit. It's the next thing. I I have a bigger problem. You know, I mentioned the thing about, like, I think from the Archie-Betty friendship perspective, I would have liked some follow-up there, even one line or something. But the same way, if we are going to move forward with the Varchi relationship, to your point, Justin, I think there needs to be one line of recognizing that this is weird. Like, they're in bed together. They're talking about the football team. Just one line of them saying, hey, isn't it weird how comfortable this feels? It's been so many years. And the other one says, Yes. And then we can kind of move on from there, but at least there's recognizing that it's not just we're falling back into this thing. To armchair write it, I would love there to be a little bit friction or some development since they are older and have gone through so many things. But if we're not going to do that, there needs to be something. You can't just drop it back in and then we're going forward and things are the same as they've always been. And I think Varchi is falling into the criticism I had of Bughead last season where it's like they're not in a a romantic relationship. They're in a partnership where they're just doing stuff. And well, like, uh, at least two of those things are doing stuff things to be yeah. fair. <laughs> yeah. But I just mean like they don't I don't feel they're just like they're just right back in like, OK, you do this. I'll do this. We're going to keep that's how we'll keep you paid for this thing. And then we'll keep everything going when like that's why I feel like not to keep going back to this. The Barchi romance was so different because it felt big it felt bigger than the world around them bigger than riverdale when these relationships bughead and farchi feel very much of riverdale and more about like what they're doing just because of their hobbies well let's hold off thoughts on bughead because we're definitely going to get into that in a second we go over to jughead he's trying to sell his agent on the aliens book i love this agent character it's like oh what are you writing now what's going on yeah. they just want the pages come on stop you're changing my only your client <laughs> I have all these papers on my desk. They're all blank. Oh, jeez. Love that guy. Veronica convinces Tabitha to host a pancake breakfast. Loved Tabitha talking to other people this episode. I think that was a step in the right direction for her. Uh, She also becomes a sponsor for the Bulldogs. However, Cheryl Super nice. What? What, Super nice of her. It is super nice of her. She seems nice. I like her. And I liked her hanging out with Veronica. That seems a good team up as well. But Cheryl will not donate any maple syrup. She hates the Bulldogs. They will not cheer for the Bulldogs until, in a very weird twist. I really wanted Cheryl to be like, plus there is a barrel of maple syrup missing. We can't figure out where it went. (laughs) I've been taking little scoopies of that every day, and it's been giving me a crazy high. Scoopies. Oh Alex loves to eat Scoopies. <laughs> He's the big Scoopy guy. No, Scoopy of the Maple Alien. You know what I'm talking about? Mm, oh Scoopy. What are you? You only use children's cookbooks, right? That's mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. 50 Just recipes pinch, for your yum yum. A pinch of sweet and a scoopy of goop. <laughs> That's the way you make the, your day fun. Yeah. My, uh, my wife and children don't let me watch anything except for Kids Food Network. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. And River New- my, yeah. my wife. <laughs> wow. What a great media diet you have. Uh, this, F- this was up, bef- yeah. Before you get to that point, the Cheryl stuff, we saw Miss Bell here in this episode, yeah. in this scene. Fuck Miss Bell. I will never forgive what? her. I will never forgive Miss Bell. Hold Wait, on, for giving up the uh, microphone to Archie so he could just make some random announcement anytime he feels like it? No. No, this is, uh, she's not worse than Miss Crouton. I was surprised that she didn't immediately call Hiram to let him know what was going on. But the thing, I understand what you're saying about Miss Bell, but the thing that was wild to me about this scene is that Cheryl was convinced 
to do everything by Archie acting like Cheryl. Was that the idea there? Marching in and yelling at everybody in the school and being like, you sons of bitches, come to our fucking pancake breakfast. Come on. Well, yeah, yeah. and I think he so. He was swearing on the mic. Yeah, sorry, buddy. And I think um, the Cheryl, the Cheryl exp- exploration of what makes Cheryl Cheryl is interesting. If this feeds into that of like she identifies with Archie when he's acting like Cheryl, I'm curious if we're going to see more of that. Even though Tony's not in the show for the next few episodes, like because th- this is sort of a, a step in the wrong direction for Cheryl, <laughs> where she's like, I do whatever I want, and now I made Archie do what I want. Uh, still wild scene. Cheryl, after that, decides to come out of retirement to perform, which is what everybody has been demanding, of course. Uh, and then we get a moment that broke my brain a little bit. It's been a while since I've had a Riverdale name brain breaker, I think, but this one got me mm. where there's a student in Jughead's class. He's having some problems. He wrote a very disturbing story, drew a big picture of probably the alien that Jughead has been seeing. Uh, mm-hmm. The name of the story was As Above, So Below, which is not only a real movie, but a name of a Riverdale episode. But the name of the student is Lerman Logan. Yes. After actor Logan Lerman. I don't know. That just well, that stuck with me. Like I could not get past that for a large part of the episode. How many Lermans were in your high school class? Oh, like, my God. Five, I think. Yeah. But none of them have the last name, Logan. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, which Lerman? Lerman R, Lerman mm-hmm. J. Lerman like, so Smith, many Lerman. Lerman Jones, Lerman yeah. LePage. Lerman LePage, yeah. Your brother, Lerman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess you guys weren't as surprised by this name. but that well, Are you upset that they nodded, they gave a nod to another actor? Like, no, what was I was it? not upset. It's just... Uh, it's something like the bed button name where I was like, but that's already what? That's already a name. It's a little different than old Deuteronomy or whatever, but I don't know. They've been doing that a lot this season. They named uh, one of that one character after Whitley Schreiber. They named the other character after Richard Dreyfus, who we see again this episode. So it's fine. I, I loved it. I think it's funny. It was just one of those things where I was like, I'm focusing too much on this name and not everything else. Uh, speaking of names that I'm focusing too much on, Glenn Scott, G-L-E-N-S-C-O-T, no extra N or T calls, and tells Betty that the blood... <laughs> you're, in, you're in too deep, dude. I really yeah, am. Yeah, you were really... really. I got to watch other programs. That's People the thing. can spell their name how they want to spell their name, man. This is like, there's so much other crazy shit going on. And you're like, this name's weird. Like, are you serious? <laughs> Where's the extra there's, N? Hashtag like child abuse. There's sex Here, workers. The there's all there, sorts there's of things There's only so on, many episodes like, of spelling. tiny Alton Brown that you can watch before you start to go a little insane. He's a baby and he does cooking. It's very adorable. So calls, lets Betty know that the blood on the phone booth is AB negative, which is a match for Polly. Betty yells at him, says it's his fault for not coming up there. Arguable, I think. Yeah, Um, definitely. I don't know. We don't know anything about the Glenn-Betty relationship, but it feels contentious. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure. It's like a Chadwick kind of relationship. Well, but, like, did Betty just ghost him and leave to go to Riverdale? And he's probably pissed about that. We just saw them kiss once, right? But mm-hmm. nothing else. Is he? He's not her partner, really. He's a, he's a full FBI agent, right? Yeah, I think the impression that I get that is he's not exactly her boss. He's a co-worker, but he's certainly her superior. Yeah. Uh, interesting. And clearly, um, I mean, he presents as, like, uh, if I'm using this term correctly, a mega douche. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I was going to say psychopath, but okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, interesting. Uh, but he just shows up and he's just so unlikable at the end yeah. of the episode. He's so awful. like yeah. so awful. Screw you, Glenn. Screw you. Uh, speaking of screwing people, Waldo in the next scene. My <laughs> God, the, I am right there with you, Pete. I know you're probably going to go off about this, but Waldo leads reads Lerman's story about being held captive by bullmen, captured by Mothman, then found on the side of the highway, and is like. I don't know. Lerman broke his arm a bunch of times and got in a ton of accidents, but I don't really see the connection there. <laughs> the way he can the way laundry, he's like laundry kids list hurt themselves. What? Yeah. And then he's got that, the laundry the laundry list of all the kids' injuries. Like, what is he? Encyclopedia of uh, anatomy here? Same, yeah, he's got a he's got a hangnail. Watch out for Lerman's <laughs> hangnail. You got to check that. Well, and then later on, to jump ahead to the next scene, when uh, Jughead confronts Lerman about his story, now that he's an expert on trauma after one episode, he learned about this last episode and is now applying it this episode, uh, and Lerman freaks out, the parents come in, and Waldo sides with the parents, and is like, yeah. how dare you, Jughead, exploring <laughs> this potential child abuse case and not going to the parents first. Uh, crazy. Crazy it's person. It's insane. Behavior. They're playing with fire, and it drives me nuts the way they're handling it and just stumbling through this. I mean, I find myself in relation to Weatherby asking, emotionally speaking, where's Waldo? Nice. <laughs> I will say more on the show, Ben. This is at least consistent with Mr. Weatherby, who has been the world's worst principal for five seasons now. So yeah. it's not entirely out of character, it's just still surprising. Yeah. So well, we and we also get a mention of something we've talked about mole people. Yeah. Yes. We talked about mole people as a potential sort of hills have eyes situation and rather than skirt it or be coy about it they're like yeah mole people there's mole people here you got to watch out <laughs> no, for the mole my, people. My, we my kept ourselves in the basement like a mole person and we vanished yeah. like mole people vanish into the ground. The the when Jughead goes you're the mole people <laughs> I lost it. I lost it. He just straight up told two parents that they were mole people. Amazing. Then we go over to the pancake breakfast. Cheryl does donate the syrup. Archie is talking to Derek's mom very briefly, and Derek's mom is not particularly into supporting the Bulldogs in any way. And then (laughs) Reggie enters. We have a very funny shot of Reggie waving from across Pops. Uh, which is delightful. And then Veronica and Archie sit down with him. He talks about the being part of the greater. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. The, the Veronica interrupt was hysterical. She's like, we have a Reggie situation, Archie. I need you right away. That was just like uh, unbelievable. Also a quick shout out. I really liked Britta sitting down, Britta sitting down, excuse me, with Alice. They just seem very delighted to be next to each other at the pancake breakfast. That was a fun little moment. But not to, again, focus on absolutely the wrong things, but Reggie mentions they're part of the Greater Rockland Football League, which I assume is a reference to Rockland County, again, setting Riverdale somewhere in upstate New York, I assume. And yep. barely upstate. It's sure. like, truly, I mean, the actual River Riverdale is located like a An minute. Hour. Of, no. Yeah, it's like right north of the Bronx. Yeah, it's like truly you drive through it when you're leaving Yeah, the city. I was going to say it's like an hour from Penn Station. It's not far. It is less than that. If you're in a car, it's like truly the Bronx, and then you're in Riverdale. Yeah. Um, I once moved um, actor David Schram from the television show Wings to Riverdale when I was a younger man. Wow. Oh, wow. I was his when personal assistant. When you were in a moving company? Oh, nope, no. I was uh, David Schramm's personal assistant. I loved the sitcom Wings when I was a kid, so it was yeah, funny you, you to be that. working for Roy Biggins, who's his character on the show. And he would say things like, 
Justin, and he was like this classically trained actor type. Uh, so he would be like, hey, Justin, I would like some more peanut butter. Do you think you could get some from the peanut butter company down in the East Village? I, I'll need it in four hours. I was like, four hours? Okay. <laughs> and then I would go get the peanut butter in uh, 20 minutes, read comics for three hours, and then bring it back to him. Wow. And that was my job. Huh. He was Did like, you... Did he ever get tired of your questions about Wings? Did you just sit there and berate him like, okay, in episode four of Wings? Now, I sort of eased off on the Wings gas pedal a little bit because, you know, it was in the past. Uh, Mm. Have I ever mentioned that I was Tony Shalhoub's personal assistant? Wow, we have got a quite a cat. Yeah, it's weird there. that we've never brought this up before. So Reggie calls everyone losers. As we mentioned, he wants the Bulldogs oh. to withdraw from the league. Of course, they won't. Uh, and then we go over to the Kevin storyline. We could probably skip through that, not quickly, but we've sort of touched on the bulk of it already. Uh, we get a quick scene of Tom helping Kevin to pack. Kevin doesn't think he deserves a family, which is so sad. We get that yeah. scene in the middle there where Kevin and Fags talk to Cheryl. She's trying to brush things over, but it, it clearly does not work at all. It was awesome that Cheryl tried to sit them down. I mean, it was like, obviously, Cheryl didn't do it properly, but I, I love the idea that she wanted to, because Kevin clearly needs to talk to somebody. And like when she, he shut down uh uh, his dad, I was like, oh, God damn it, Kevin, open up to someone. And I thought maybe it would be Cheryl, but unfortunately, not the case. Well, I think we speculated about this a little bit the last episode, and it definitely seems to bear out with this one, that while Vanessa Morgan was on her real-life maternity leave, I think they're using the opportunity to do the Cheryl redemption tour. So she is going to get to a place when Tony comes back to the show where Tony is still not going to want to be with her, but Cheryl is going to be emotionally at a place where she can potentially win her back. That's my theory right now. We'll see. I think that's a good call. And and I think Kevin is going to be in a place where he can sort of be, he like he, the line that I think Tom says to him is like, you deserve happiness. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think he's, Hopefully on that, even though this is a tough episode in that department, I think it's sort of exposing the wound and maybe going to be able to heal a little bit in the next couple episodes. But like I said before, that scene between Tom and Kevin where Tom was like, is it something I did? Like, it was just, it really caught me out of nowhere and just like, I felt myself Well, uh, I will say, I don't know if you felt this way, Justin, but certainly as a parent, the story that he tells of his mom saying, oh, we got to get a husky shirt for you, him going out into the woods, meeting a guy who thinks he's cute, and that's where he got into cruising. Not necessarily the second part, but certainly... Having kids, I worry about that all the time because I know there are offhand things that my parents said to me that stuck with me my entire life. And I constantly worry, oh, God, is this the thing? Is this the thing that they're going to remember? Fat shaming is no joke, man. Not that. I'm not fat shaming my kids. (laughs) Well, that's what Kevin's mom did by saying I have to buy husky things. No, but what I'm saying specifically is there's a time when you get a little too angry or something like that. And you see they get a little scared in your eyes and you immediately back off, or at least I immediately back off and realize, oh, no, oh, I went too far for whatever reason. But then... You're like, get out of here. Daddy's watching Riverdale. (laughs) I mean, sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But to that point, yeah, those are the things that then later on I'm lying in bed like, oh, what if they remember that? What if that's the thing that sticks to them instead of the rest of the day where I fed them nonstop candy and chips, you know? Yeah. Well, you should not do that. Yeah, let's just say both of those things are bad. (laughs) (laughs) 
I uh, feel like Riverdale's poisoning your brain to think Doritos are good at uh, yeah, training. Yeah. They've got cheese. They've got corn, which is a vegetable, I believe. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that checks out to me. Off to have Doritos covered with milk for breakfast, I guess. So Veronica makes a bet with Hiram. He has a very funny line here. Why is she still talking to her father? I, Awful. I'm sorry. Unapologetically, I love Hiram this season. Me too. I do too. Love he's it. such oh. a great, he's become the, the villain that he's needed to be all this time. We're getting just the right amount of him. He's in like... He's the way there's like the lodge lodge. It looks like a lodge now. It's like this weird. It's very much out of Twin Peaks, um, the Great Northern, the hotel where a lot of the action takes place. And he's like cartoony in enough ways, and you don't have to dwell too deeply. Reggie being his sycophant, I love it all. And it seems like Mark Consuelos is having so much fun with it. I was going to call out his delivery of Veronica coming in and yelling at him. And he says in this first thoughtful and then harsh way, he says, all I know about the Bulldogs is that they're garbage. And yeah. <laughs> it made me laugh out loud. So yeah. funny. You're but then they make person. this bet, which is a ludicrous bet, a classic like football movie bet where if the Bulldogs make one score, one, they'll leave. the. If they don't make a score, they'll leave the league. If they make one, Hiram has to convince the commissioner to let them stay. He's super into the bet. He loves it. I love that setup. This is what I want. Like, what I haven't been really feeling the past three episodes, which, mind you, I've enjoyed because I enjoy watching Riverdale. But the past three episodes, like you were talking about last episode, Justin, have been paced like Riverdale episodes, where they're wildly all over the place. So many things are going on. But if they could figure out a way to take this football movie storyline and have everything rotate around that, even the investigation stuff and tie in a little better, it would be much more exciting to me because those first three episodes after the time jump did that. They had the propulsion of we're losing Riverdale, but also these weird mysteries are branching off and that's great. So I know it's not easy to do, but I certainly felt that here where I would have loved this football storyline more if we even briefly had Betty and Jughead like, interviewing Mr. Dreyfus behind the football stands. Just little touches like that, I think, would have made it feel more cohesive to me, you know? Oh, you think it was um, uh, alarming to shift from a good Friday Night Lights episode with Archie and Veronica to Betty straight up shooting a dude almost? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Equalizer style? She's like in it a was Charles be Bronson those movie? Very cool beginning of season two Friday Night Lights vibes. Everybody's favorite part of the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you you didn't like the the what is clearly like a, a fun thing of just jumping back and forth between Betty at her desk and then loading bullets into a gun and then somebody like playing scene. football. I that was well shot and acted actually. It was actually very well shot, but it was alarming, especially the next. Couple yeah, of very much so. So we get that bet. We get a couple of other scenes that we mentioned. Uh, and then Archie talks to the team. Turns out Derek got recruited by Stonewall. So they're super bummed out. Wait, he, I just want to talk about one thing. This, the scene between um, Jughead and um, Lerman Logan, a very easy name to remember and roll mm-hmm. off the tongue. Um, he's like, where did you get the ideas for these stories? Because as far as I know, stories are all real and you can't make them up. <laughs> So where where is the real here, dude? I mean, I mentioned yeah. this earlier too. The last episode, the not psychiatrist but scientist, it was like, hey, you know, sometimes trauma you see aliens, but it comes out of a real life thing. And this episode, he's like, you know, something that I kind of came up with myself is that trauma yeah. could be aliens, or yeah. it could be a real life thing. 
Well, this is just a perfect example of why Jughead needs Betty when they're questioning people. When it's just one person, Jughead's like, oh, oh, okay, and drops it and walks away. Well, the guy here's the thing. clearly that is, is like, that whatever is, you want to hear, get away from me. And Jughead's like, okay, I heard what I wanted to hear. That is legitimately what this episode gets towards. And yeah. I almost didn't want to because I want the show to go out in other directions, but... What was so thrilling about watching Bughead investigate together is they are yes. better at it. They are so much better at it when they're together, and it's very exciting to watch. It's, but we'll get there in a undeniable. Yeah, if I were trying to scientifically prove that Bughead's a better team than when they're uh, together when they're separate, I would show this episode. <laughs> because they're both acting truly insane on their different trails that they're on. <laughs> Jughead almost gets fired Betty almost kills a guy in the woods Until they talk to each other Betty yep. opening up random truckers doors And being like hey dude oh, Get man, over just... here Like Mortal Kombat style It's just yeah. like yo it's, like, it's over <laughs> Well to that point I mean while we're jumping around wildly Over the course of this episode To get back to the whole Barchi thing Like I feel like I, I liked how it was written and I liked how it was acted the last episode, the scene between Betty and Archie, where she's talking about him being a light in the window and not bringing the darkness. Just just taking that scene by itself, I thought it was really well executed. But if you think about it in terms of the span of the show, Betty going off into darkness one episode after she breaks up, or if you want to call it a breakup with Archie, and being like, well, I'm a vigilante no. now. The best person to talk to about that in Riverdale is Archie, who has been a vigilante for three seasons. Yeah, in different or respects, very or different Cheryl. vigilantes. Yeah, do you have any tips? Should have asked him for tips. Hey, I'm thinking well, but, about killing dudes on the street. Can you help? Can you imagine like, if yeah. they cut if they if, in the woods if Betty and Archie hadn't broken up and it cut from the scene where she's like, "Hey, I'll try to remember to untie you tomorrow." Later, to them like having sex, being like, "Wow, this is crazy, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> like that would be truly off the rails, and it's only one episode separated. Yeah. Wild. So back to Archie and Veronica in bed. Uh, he understands why Derek transferred. I liked Archie's attitude this whole episode. It was pretty chill about everything and positive, which is very nice. But uh, Veronica comes up with a plan to give the Bulldogs motivation. Uh, there's a couple of other things that happen in between, so I'll, I'll read through that before we get there. Um, but Veronica, uh, Betty comes home. Alice is basically catatonic. She lies, says that it wasn't Polly's blood, which is a wild lie to do anybody, even if you're protecting yeah, your mom's she, feelings. Yeah, it's protecting her mom's feelings. I mean, she, you, she was hanging on by such a thin thread, she coun't do it to her mom. Well, I thought that was such an interesting choice. I really yes. like that. I hmm. like, because I also think that Polly's not dead. So I yes. think that it's going to bear out that it was the right thing to do despite the fact that she did it for the wrong reasons. Sure, right. that's fair. And maybe you could argue that Betty somewhere deep down knows that Polly isn't dead. She has a hunch about that, but we'll see what happens. I also think we fully slipped into Dark Betty. Like, I think this is Dark Betty. Doing oh, it. yeah. she was. It was beyond Dark Betty. This episode, she's Black Hood, like straight up. She's yeah. dealing justice to the sinners of the town. She's talking about, I don't even think she, I don't think she uses the words cleansed, but that's essentially what she's doing. Like she's turned it into her dad or Charles or whoever. Um, and only Jughead. One of the many sociopaths in her family. <laughs> Chick or Jellybean or, you know, whoever. <laughs> FP sometimes. Yeah. FP Alice, definitely Alice. Yep. So, you know, all of them. 
Pete, as a Dark Betty uh, fan, what do you? How right. do you feel about this? Because it's a worrying. It's worrying well, here. Well, what's nice is yeah, it's twofold. It's one, you're very happy that Betty is uh, standing up and fighting this, you know, bullshit uh, sex trafficking or whatever is going on in those trucks. I mean, that's fucking illegal as fuck. And like the fact that everybody's okay with it is great that Betty's like, nah, I can end this myself and I'm going to go and and, uh, fuck up these truckers. I'm so happy about that. But then when you see her like loading bullets and clearly not... Uh, uh, grasping, um, you know, everything, it it makes me a little scared. So I'm very happy, but also very scared for uh, Betty right now. So speaking of which, the next morning she wakes up and Alice is all chipper. She's decided to go forth with Super her support Alice. group and wants Betty to pick up some cold cuts, a cold cuts mm. platter at Pops. She goes over there, sees Jughead, brings her the cold cuts. Betty confesses everything to him. And yeah, Jughead says, so hey, happy. you want to go talk to this guy, Mr. Dreyfus? I'm going to conveniently leave out that he believes in aliens. <laughs> yeah. And then Betty's mad about it. She's like, Jughead, what is going on? Yeah. Also, they this, never, this is kind of important to bring up. They never pick up the cold cuts. They yeah. leave them at Pops. Yeah. Oh, don't. Yeah. But they're ice, so at least that's okay. They can they can last. Pete, you don't understand. Ice melts. Ice isn't forever. If Those you cold put cuts it in the fridge. We're in an, an emergency ice... situation. Those cold cuts oh are getting lukewarm, First if off, not hot. Don't you dare lecture me about cold cuts. Like I don't know what the fuck. I don't think you even know what cold cuts are. Oh my god! I don't think you even know anything about cold cuts. I'm checking your cold cut meter right now, and you're down to seventy five percent, sir. <laughs> Listen. Now I, I do have a question about cold cuts. If you want to um, claim knowledge here. Yeah. Are the meats cut cold and kept cold? Like some sort of Coors Light of meats? Or are they <laughs> are they cut and then chilled afterwards? Cut and chilled, bro. Cut and chilled. Huh, that's a good Hot question. Are there cut. warm cuts? Is like a uh, steak a warm no. cut? That's how I order a steak. Um, excuse me, <laughs> chef. I'll have the warmest cut you have back there. <laughs> I don't eat these cold cuts like the, uh, pe- gotta, the poor people gotta, downtown. We had to ask our uh, the our show sponsored chef. Mm. Uh, now let's move on because I have another sports question for you guys. After right. the cold cut scene, we cut back to the Bulldogs, and Veronica says, "Hey, I have a special guest here for you," and in enters. T-Dub from the New York Goliaths. Now, I know enough about sports to know that the New York Goliaths are a riff on the New York Giants. However, the scene was very confusing to me because it was played off like, this is a football player I should know in real life, but I don't think it was. Was it? Yeah, it's, uh, it is played off that way, and that's what you're meant to believe, uh, that he's a famous... Goliath's player, and that's, that's right. It but it felt like the way that it was played in the show, with everybody freaking out and the music coming up and everything, and him coming in, it felt like it was an actual member of the New York Giants playing a member of the New York Goliaths. And I was supposed to know who this was on the show, but I didn't. So it was not a real football player. I don't not, know, Alex. Maybe the illusion should be preserved. Oh man, maybe you should just be left to wonder if um, T Dub. A person. You're saying that? You're saying, is T-Dub a real person? I'm saying maybe it was, name literally any member of the New York Giants. Please. Okay. Wow. Um, well, well, obviously, the New York Giants, there's um, there's R-Dub. There's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's Q-Dub. There's, there's Lerman-Dub, you know, obviously. Yeah, and then there's yeah. Lerman-J, Lerman-R. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all New York Giants. That's the well, front line. Listen, I know that was probably not Peyton Manning. 
Okay, that's <laughs> what, what not are we a doing giant. Here? What are <laughs> Eli Manning is a but giant. That's all I know. Was a that's giant. The only not name anymore. Of a football player I know. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Eli Manning played football a little bit. He would sort of hold the football and then he would oh throw it in the god. ground you when anyone walked up. You watch your, you watch your mouth. <laughs> Two-time Super Bowl champ, asshole. All right, MVP. Don't be fucking fucking around like that. Um, I uh, so to your point, Alex. It was weird. I mean, I think from a production point of view, it's very hard to get the licensing to show an actual jersey or logo. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do think they could have had an NFL player, but it's also expensive, and this was shot under uh, quarantine, I, I imagine. So it probably would have been hard during the football season also. Sure. Uh, so it would have been hard to get an actual football player there. So I think... They, that's why they went this way. Totally. I completely get it. It was just something that in the moment, it was like, like do I, it, it, I it felt this? like if somebody was like, guess who I have here? It's Tom Holland from the Spider-Man franchise, but it was clearly a Tom Holland impersonator. And yeah. you're like, no, 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 this is definitely Tom Holland. That's what we're saying right now. So it was that level. That was, I and don't I, know why that was the first and only celebrity that I just thought of. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I know where your head's at. Um, it also was weird because the way they played it was like, no, like we don't have enough time with this actor to shoot this scene normally. So we had, they had felt very rushed. Like he was like, Hey, yeah, I'm T-Dub. You mind if I inspire these kids over here for a second? And then he just like drops it. It's like <laughs> working with an athlete where it's like, they're too busy and they're not an actor, yeah. but instead it was an actor. Right. <laughs> then, yeah. And then the other thing right at the end of the scene, which is also like right off camera, he's like, Hey, you guys want to throw the football around? And then he throws it so far. Nobody can get yeah. it. Just like tosses well, it straight they, off the field. If somebody started running before he throw it, you know nobody does though. You don't see anybody do that. Well, it could. Oh Jesus! He's also like, "Hey Britta, here you got a cannon." Well, too bad. I'm going to throw the football and you can try and catch it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they do sign up more bulldogs. After that, we go over to Hiram. Well, hold on, one, one yes. more thing. We don't know what the rules of football in Riverdale are. They could be anything. Like, we don't know anything sure, about it. football. Could be just different there. Secondly, they're like, "We're short a player." And then Veronica's like, don't worry, I found 10 random people. <laughs> we don't even ever see them closer than the widest shot in the episode, which I thought was crazy. And then going into the next scene where Hiram's like, we have a big problem, Reggie. Veronica got 10 random skiddies over there in the football field, and they're going to have another player probably. You need to go break a child's legs. <laughs> <laughs> and Reggie's like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah, right. Just like I'm off the team. I don't know if I'm into this plan. Seems a little yeah. random. It's. I'm happy that Reggie is slowly coming back over to the slowly? good side. It's. Ha- it's one yeah. scene, Pete. It Very happens quickly. in one scene. He's over. He's evil at the beginning well, of the episode. By mid episode, he's no longer evil. Now he's on the bulldog side. Yeah, but just that's just for the bulldogs. We don't know if that means going forward if he's still working for Hiram or not. Sure, give him another two minute scene and it'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but he is back over Jughead and Betty, as we mentioned, go over, see Dreyfus. He's a crazy nutball who says, yeah, sure. <laughs> the aliens shred metal all the time with their alien engines. This uh, whole scene is crazy. Cause Jughead's like, nah, I fucked up. But also <laughs> the, he's like, Hey, um, a recluse who like lives off the grid. You want to talk to my FBI friend? Um, you know, the <laughs> government that you probably are paranoid about. And the guy's like, yes, I love the FBI. Come sit. Let me rant at you for a while. I did love the reactions, though, in this scene. Uh, Jughead uh, very tentatively putting his hand on Betty's shoulder, not sure if that's a thing that he should be doing, and her smiling. And then their emotions, like you're saying, over the course of the scene where Jughead's like, oh, oh no. no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, this went wrong. 
Yeah. And on it the way out of the scene. could have gone so great. And then it was it just, like, yeah. I mean, Jughead did not think that through. Too no. busy uh, too busy drinking well, out of this. I think he was just up. excited that he felt like maybe he could help a little mm-hmm. bit and, like, you know, team back up. To, and they could help each other's investigations. But then he went to crazy town for answers. Well, and that's and, not going to uh, To be fair, by the end of the episode, he was right to bring her in there because they figure out that they may be on similar paths, just not as they expect. So it is. I, will, I also loved the huge Mulder and Scully energy um, of that scene. Like, yes, could very call. much. That's yeah, yeah. Like he believes here. in aliens, she doesn't. Yeah, it was very cool. Mm-hmm. That's the X Files to a T. Oh, <laughs> what is anything else happening in that show? <laughs> no, I think that's pretty much it. There's bees in there somewhere, but that's all I remember. There are bees. So Betty loses her mind, gets a gun. Uh, Betty's got a gun. She, as we mentioned, goes vigilante style, breaks up a bunch of girls who are about to turn tricks, beats the shit out of a bunch of truckers, um, and knocks out the trucker who had a date with Polly. Meanwhile, Waldo calls Jughead is like, hey, turns out I might have been wrong about the whole Lerman Logan situation. He actually ran away uh, and Jughead decides to call her. Betty has the John in the woods. Uh, I didn't realize his name is actually John and he's a John. So that's pretty mm. fun. Uh, she ties him to a tree and it's going to kill him until Jughead calls. Do you think she was, cause in a, in a show that moves so quickly when she's got the gun on the guy, the phone, she lets that phone ring a couple of times. Oh before yeah. She picks it up. I was like, Betty, pick up. Honestly, Betty, after the first ring, up. I was like, Oh shit, is my phone on? Then I was like, Oh, is that the trucker's phone? And then I was like, oh, no, it's Betty's. It is Betty's phone. You got to change you think, your ringtone. That's your question? Yeah. Yes, you do need yes. to change your ringtone. You think so? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, then the Riverdale theme. I like occasionally I just turn it on <laughs> after a dramatic <laughs> thing happens. And I'm like, ooh. That would be hilarious if Betty's phone was the Riverdale theme. That would be really good. <laughs> do Yeah. Do you think she was going to kill that guy if Jughead had not called? Yes. Yes. Do you? Or at I mean, least put two in the leg for sure. Two? I think you just do one. Yeah, no, no. You don't need two in the leg. <laughs> well, one in each leg. Oops. You're going to do two in a leg? Two in two yeah. legs? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fucked up, dude. One wait, in diff- a foot. Wait, uh, different legs or the same leg? Pete's saying different. both legs. Both yeah, legs? What? So four total? No, no. <laughs> one in each leg. Oh, okay. At least do a leg and an arm. Yeah. Yeah, no, what? you got to do like a leg and a leg. I understand what he's saying because otherwise they can limp away. Yeah, but exactly. she wants him to limp away. Otherwise, she'd just do one in no, the two in the head. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they, they can walk away from that. You don't. You don't know what's going on with his body. Uh, a, a, a bullet in the hand is worth two in the leg. That's what they say. True. Oh, wow. um, I know what no, we're talking about. If if she was going to, if she was fully going to kill them, and you believe that, we got a real problem here. This character is too far. No, the only I thing think that pulled her the back. The whole thing here is that Jughead calling totally yeah, accidentally pulls her back, pulls her back from the edge. Yeah. Them teaming up by the end of the episode on this investigation has pulled her back from this darkness. Glenn coming into town obviously is going to cause some complications there. Alice <laughs> turning Glenn completely against her, also killer. some more There's... problems. But I do think having Jughead to bounce these things off of and not feeling like she's going to be in the head or her head about it is the thing that is going to. Stop her from killing random truckers. Can I Can I just ask you, the scene where Jughead... Actually, sorry, had, just uh, one last thing. Just remember, Betty is the girl next door. Okay? Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the scene where Jughead is talking to Waldo, and they're, like, talking about a fresh start, and then Jughead looks right at the camera and is like, fresh start. 
wouldn't that be great? You know, I felt like mm-hmm. it was almost like he was signaling us to walk away from the show now while we still can. Anybody else get that or no? No. Wow. Do you also get uncomfortable every time we say his name is Waldo instead of Mr. Weatherby? Because I do. You get no. uncomfortable. It's like, like calling a teacher. It, like I, seeing a teacher like at the local. Yeah, but after yeah. outside of class, you can call a teacher by their name. You don't have to use the... Well, only when you're a student do you have to nope. use the Mr. No, I always Not do true. that. What? That's a weird thing. So if you like, if you bumped into, say, President Joe Biden, you'd be like, Joe, because <laughs> now that we're adults, he's, not, he's sort of our. That's principal. not the yeah, same. He's thing. like the world's teacher. If Joe, if Joe was my teacher, I wouldn't have to call Mister Biden anymore. I could be like, Joe, what's up? See, I feel like that's a little bit uh, forward of you, Pete. I've okay. always looked at you as up here with the president of the United States. Ouch, that hurts, man. Yeah, that's why I always call you Mr. LePage. (laughs) Just to finish up what's going on here, we have the Big Stallions versus Bulldogs game. It's Britta versus Derek. Meanwhile, Betty found Lerman. It turns out that he is a sleepwalker. They locked him in the basement because he kept bumping into stuff and breaking all his lips. Horrible condition (laughs) that they just fucking pass right over. Yeah, and the Lerman... The Logan family, I guess, moves out mm-hmm. of town rather suddenly, doesn't leave a forwarding address, not suspicious at all. Meanwhile, at the uh, game, Cheryl Wait, performs- do you think you think they're because I think their address is um, P.O. Box uh, 32 underground <laughs> slash mole <laughs> planet. Yeah. Or it- in Swedlow Swamp. Either way. Um, let me let me throw this at you. Greendale. Ooh, Interesting. They don't have any house numbers there, as we've established over in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, so sounds right to me. So, meanwhile, at the game, Cheryl performs Stupid Love by Lady Gaga. Has a very fun time with that. Uh, Britta throws the ball. I don't know if you noticed this. There's an actual cannon sound effect when she throws the ball. She's got a cannon. She does. She literally has a cannon for an arm, which feels like it should uh, come up in more situations. Cheating. Archie gives this crazy inspirational speech that's a bunch of nonsense about it. If you don't give up on yourself, you cannot lose. Mm-hmm. They're down 52 nothing at this point. <laughs> hey, man, sometimes, you know, when you win, you actually lose. And sometimes when you lose, you actually win. And this is a perfect example of that. Tell me, tell me a time when you lose, you win, but you actually lose. And you lose, but actually win. Okay, so uh, in this case, they lost, but they actually no, won no, because not, they scored. I'm talking about from the Mr. LePage files, the real life Pete stuff. Uh, uh, I, I, you know, I mean, I, there's not a story. I mean, I don't want to spend 20 minutes talking about like a specific story that will really like one time you found a cheesesteak somewhere. You got lost. <laughs> yeah, I thought I won because I had a free cheesesteak, but then I got sick for days because mm-hmm. it had been out by the trash for a long time. So that's a, that's a great example. story. Yeah. <laughs> So Britta does score a touchdown. This is a super fun moment. Everybody's cheering and losing their minds for her. Hiram, I think, tries to break his clipboard, but is unsuccessful. Oh, I think he broke it. Oh, did he break it? I couldn't quite tell. It looked like he tried to break it, but it just banged on his knee and he kind of gave up. But still very fun. He was mad. Veronica and Archie yeah. talk and smooch. Derek thanks Archie. Again, I like the sweet tone that was a of nice, these football very songs, nice. yeah. uh, which was very cool. Uh, Jughead talks to Waldo, as we mentioned. Then Betty comes back. Glenn is there. Alice is sobbing. Glenn takes over the case, doesn't say anything about Toffee, and that's how we end the episode. 
So there you mm. go. Big episode of Riverdale. Now, before we wrap up here, we got a bunch of tweets with theories and questions and comments for you all. We only got a couple of minutes left, so I'm going to try to get through as many of them as we can. Uh, but to kick it off, this is from at Sydney underscore Z. Great question here. What happened to Toffee now that Glenn is in Riverdale and is clearly no longer watching him? Weird how that was the first question there, just magically. We don't know. The cat might be in his briefcase or something. <laughs> like, here's how you, you want to transport your cat from FBI headquarters to Riverdale. Open up your briefcase, put in mm. a bunch of food, and yep. a bunch of a food in the front where the mouth is, right. kitty litter in the back where the butt is. Close the briefcase, <laughs> oh and you're on your way. <laughs> That's awful. You better poke some holes in that briefcase so they can breathe. Oh, yeah, there's holes. Or you just open it every couple minutes so it can breathe. Oh, that's not a good strategy. That cat will jump out as soon as you open it. Uh, next up, this is from Drip Drop Doggy. Do we think Reggie has switched? <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought I was going to be able to make it past that Twitter. I really... I hope they don't drop the thread about that cat and never address the cat again. I really hope the cat comes back at some point because that was like, I, people are worried about that cat for a reason. Well, yeah. you gotta, you guys have that to open your eyes. Guy is a psychopath, and you left that cat with a psychopath. Well, I'll tell you um, what: from drip drop kitty to drip drop doggy, do we think <laughs> Reggie has switched sides for good, or is it going to take more time? Before, just real quick, yeah. You open your eyes, guys. TBK. Trash bag kitty. The cat's the killer. Mm. Good night. <laughs> do open we think your eyes, guys? Do, open your eyes, man. You're the molder of this podcast. Do we 100%. think Reggie has switched sides for good or is it going to take more time? We talked about this a little bit, but what's your theory right now? I think I, he's going to go back. He's going to keep being the flunky because we've seen him break a little bit more sort of each episode, but I think he's going to maintain the job because I think we're going to see a big explosion um, there. And I still, uh, if I can. Um, but as a Barchi guy, I want uh, Veronica and Reggie. I want I want Man Monica to come back into mm, effect. Wow. So I'd like to see a blow up there that where he I, chooses Veronica's side. I do hope that Reggie kind of uh, isn't completely back yet because the the kind of like um, the the hair where he had it like kind of curled in the back coming out the back mm. it was really hysterical bad guy villain uh, vibes and it was really fun to see so I hope we get a little bit more of that before he switches back over but I do like good guy Reggie and not bad guy Reggie that's a good call Pete I think the hair tells us where Reggie is bad yeah. hair bad guy good hair mm-hmm. good guy. From Boss Bex 1, have you noticed all the parallels to season one this episode? Betty hearing Archie through the school speaker in this ep, but also last ep, there were several references. Do you think this is being done on purpose, maybe to parallel season one with a different result? Hashtag Barchi together. Ooh. I mean, I like that. Like we said, this season is sort of a reset just because of the the time jump and everything. Yep. yep. So I could see them following the same uh, patterns here. And to uh, to get to Barchi, I think, is a great hashtag. <laughs> well, I agreed with you right up until the end there. I do like them after this time jump kind of going back to what kind of got this started. So I think that's great. And I think there are a lot of nods there. So amazing that you saw that. But uh, yeah, no to the fucking hashtag. Well, I do want to ask on that note, because I know I talked about it a lot. Pete, I don't feel like you didn't talk about it as much. This seemed like potentially the start of Bughead getting back together. How did you feel about this episode? Because you've been very conflicted about the storyline. Yes. Um, And what's nice about this episode is the fact that 
when they're apart, they're not good. And hopefully together uh, they can try to pull Betty out of, she's going through so much so fast uh, and it's all over the place. Somebody has got to reach out and help Betty and hopefully it's Jughead. Um, I just think like when she opened up to Jughead and he was there for her, I thought that was really nice um, and Mm -hmm. felt like, Oh, maybe there is a little bit going on here, but everything after that, I was like, Oh, Betty doesn't, she's not here for this. She thinks he's a, a gone crazy. And then she's also gone crazy in her own way. Yeah, uh, she was like, oh, yeah, you Jughead, you think that's crazy? I'll fucking raise you one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, last one, and then we got to wrap this up. This is from ABC underscore 011702. Where is Tony? I get that Vanessa was on maternity leave, so she couldn't be in this episode, but they could have at least mentioned where she is. It could have added to two scenes, in my opinion, either the first scene with Kevin and his dad or the scene where Cheryl apologizes to Kang's. We touched on this a little bit earlier, but yeah, I totally agree. At least a offhand mention of she's out of town. She's getting ready to have the baby. Literally yeah. anything like that. Solo baby yeah. moon. Tony goes yeah. uh, for a ride with the serpents. That's great. Yeah. yeah, because what I like about this question is the fact that like for the last couple of episodes, we've been told how important Tony is to this town. And uh, uh, how she is a part of everything and is super important for this town getting better. So the fact that, like, there was no reference, no nothing was a little like, you know, hey, come on. Um, So I I definitely understand where she's come from. All right. Thank you to everybody who wrote in these questions. Sorry we couldn't get to everything, but we are mostly out of time. Before we wrap up, though, who is MVP for the episode? Pete, who is your MVP? Um, well, I'm going to shake things up a little bit here, and I'm going to say mm-hmm. Betty all day, every day. Uh, it's great to see her kind of uh, be like, fuck this, I'm going to stop these evil trucker fucks by myself if I have to. But I'm also really worried about um, her mental state and how she's going to be okay after this. But, man, just great to see the first time she opened the door and was like uh, throw, punching people in the face just made me so happy. Just so nice. Justin, what about you? I got to give it up for the hot dads of Riverdale in this episode. Um, of course, uh, Tom Keller, I thought, really had this great emotional scene of being there for Kevin. Um, and uh, Hiram, I thought was really fun, funny this episode. Like we said before, I love where Hiram's at. Um, so keep it up. Can I just uh, jump in on that real quick? Like, speaking it's, of hot dads, like we don't usually see- jump in on each other, but sure. Okay, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Uh, speaking of hot dads, I really liked what Fang said with the Cheryl conversation. It was it was nice to see kind of like Fangs put stuff out there. Yep. Very true. I think on the same note, I'm a little conflicted because there were a lot of different things that I liked in this episode, uh, but I want to give it up for Kevin. I thought that speech in particular, that monologue was really beautifully done. I know we went a little back and forth about the storyline in total, but there's been a really beautiful emotional arc for him. It's something that fans have been asking for for a really long time. I hope it continues. I hope we continue to see this growth and emotional fallout from this because that would be great. It certainly looks like from the promo, we're going to be getting a lot more of Kevin next episode and that's exciting I'm excited to see where he goes and how he grows from here because Casey Codd has been doing a lovely job with it 
And that is it. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to support this podcast and other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. Socially on Twitter, Riverdale Dark, Instagram, Riverdale After, Facebook, Riverdale After Dark, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show, in particular on iTunes. Leave us a comment and a rating. We appreciate those quite a bit. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. That reminds me, I gotta open up my cat briefcase. We had some air in there. <laughs>